Hey, everybody. Nathan King here with the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody of our promo we have running right now with our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. You guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and new customers can get 15% off their first purchase with the code Auburn Undercover. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, all caps. If you guys don't know, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what Home Field Apparel is, it's a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. It's incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, including a lot of really, really cool Auburn stuff. You guys know better than anybody that Auburn's got some really cool old logos and designs from back in the glory days. And so they've taken advantage of that and gone back, made some really creative sweatshirts and T-shirts and even some joggers. You guys go check it out, Home Field Apparel. Com. They just launched a new Auburn shirt on October 9th that's honoring Auburn's first national championship season back in 1957. What they did was, and Homefield goes back and they dig through all kinds of old archives in order to find the coolest designs they can, they can get their hands on. They went back and found a postcard that was from that 1957 team that Auburn sent out and has a picture of an old obby holding up the Associated Press 1957 National Championship trophy. So if that sounds cool to you, you guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and get that on a t-shirt and you can get 15% off that purchase if it's your first purchase. Again, the code is Auburn Undercover, all one word. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell. We, of course, have our roundtable preview of Auburn's upcoming game. Another one, a third straight division game, a third straight important game. Auburn obviously won a ranked road game against Arkansas, came back home last weekend, beat a top 10 team in Ole Miss. And now they get to go on the road in what is, according to the playoff rankings, Auburn comes in at number 13, Texas A&M comes in at 14, so a top 15 matchup on the road in Week 10, of course, in College Station, where it's supposed to be a great home field environment, um, and it is most of the time, but Auburn has had no problem there. Uh, They're 4-0 all-time in College Station. They haven't lost a game at Kyle Field ever, 4-0 since the Aggies joined the SEC back in 2012, so... We will see if Auburn is able to keep up the magic from the past couple of weeks, really the the execution, I guess, that we've been seeing um, on both offense and defense. And so, Jason, I'll start with you. Um, you know, this is I feel like both of these teams have duds. This is kind of what I've been thinking all week. Both of these teams, you look at Texas A&M, they had that game. They almost lost to Colorado. And then we found out Colorado was not very good. And then Auburn, of course, almost has one of the worst losses in program history to Georgia State. If you take both of those games away from both of these teams, they both have really good resumes and they've been really good otherwise. Um, but what do you make just in general of this Texas A&M team? Because I feel like they've kind of since that Alabama game, they've sort of flown under the radar, just kind of took care of business and, and really haven't been too flashy. Yeah, you know, they, they got obviously a really good win. Uh, you start talking about teams in around the country um, with Alabama ring being ranked second, which is questionable at best. Texas A&M would have the best victory in the country by that standard uh, when, when the number two team has a loss, but you look at them and um, you know, since that time um, when you talk about playing Missouri and South Carolina, not a ton of test for, you know, Texas A&M since then, when you look at the, this run that Auburn's had, you know, 
you know, coming through other than the Georgia State game. Um, you, you know, start with Penn State, then you go LSU, Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Um, that's a week by week challenge that they've had to do. Texas A&M has been kind of kind of been able to put in a cruise control, even though they did not run away from Missouri until a little later. Um, no, I think it's a team that is playing with a ton of confidence right now. And of course, you beat Alabama and then you ransack two conference opponents. That'll tend to happen. But I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I think they're probably a, a much better football team, but it's probably a little bit of the opponents the last couple of weeks that have, that have helped them out some too. Mark, it seems like, you know, this is pretty often that Auburn does this. They head into November with an opportunity to contend for the West obviously doesn't always end up being that way. Um, but I guess just how impressed are you that Auburn is at this position? Um, you know, and if I had told you before the season started that they'd be, you know, at the, at this point in the year and have an opportunity to contend for the West, I guess just how, how, uh, how surprised would you be with where Harson's got them right now? 0.0% because this is exactly what I predicted. And, you know, my one, um, thing I thought where they could get better. If they, I thought there was a chance they could win at Penn State, but I wasn't sure they were going to win, and I certainly didn't predict that. But they're right on schedule with what I predicted. So, uh, you know, I'm not real sure the SEC is quite as good as I thought it was going to be back in preseason. Texas A&M was in, I think, number six in the country in the preseason AP Top 25 poll, and they haven't played very well. Uh, who's their second best win against? That's what I've been looking at here. It's probably not a, not a good one because they mean, lost to Mississippi State. State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Missouri, Missouri would be their second best one. Yeah, and Missouri is probably the thirteenth team in the SEC ahead of Vanderbilt only, or uh, South, Carolina. South Carolina. Uh, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I would, they're they're twelve. They have wins over twelve and thirteen. Yeah, that's a real whichever, fun argument. Whichever order it is, yes. And then yep. they beat New Mexico, who's awful, and Kent State, who's awful, and uh, lost to Mississippi State. Lost a neutral site to Arkansas. So uh, they got that great win against Alabama, but that's about it. So I think this Texas A&M team is interesting. I think they're probably getting better on offense. They have a young line. You know, Jimbo Fisher bragged about how talented it was in preseason. He said they could get over losing all those really good seniors. And those seniors last year uh, were a big factor in Texas A&M taking control of the game at Auburn in the fourth quarter with that time of possession advantage and outscoring Auburn 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter when Auburn was ahead going into the period. Um, Texas A&M's got two really good running backs, a really good tight end. They got some good defensive linemen. But, I mean, just look at the big picture. They're not all that dangerous offensively. Their numbers aren't all that impressive. They're To me, they're better on defense than they are on offense. But they've still had a, a few issues. Uh, you know, on defense as well. So, uh, I, you know, I think this is going to be a good game. I'm not sure Auburn's a great team. I'm not sure Auburn is definitely top 10 caliber material. They're knocking on the door now, 12 in AP. But I do think both teams are ascending as far as what's going on in their seasons. And I don't think a lot of teams in the SEC are right now. Uh, uh, I think there's just a handful. So uh, that's why this is the best game of the week in the league, Nathan. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's what, yeah, that's why it's such a fun matchup is because you can make the argument for both of these teams. I think that they're playing really well. Like you, like you said, Jason, they've just, they went on cruise control, but at the same time, you know, 
you did when you beat bad teams by a significant amount, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, so both these teams kind of are heading in the right direction. Now it's just a matter of what's going to give on Saturday. Um, Jason, like Mark was saying, the defense, Texas A&M's defense is the best part um, of their team. Going back to when they were ranked, like you guys were saying, number six or whatever in the preseason poll, people were talking nonstop about what they brought back on defense this season and how talented they were going to be on every level. I know you did the preview of them on that side of the ball. Just how impressive are they on that side of the ball and what are they going to do well to maybe uh, be able to slow down Bo Nix and company? Yeah, I think it's it starts up front. Um, we've known Terry Price for a long time. Normally, Terry Price is going to have some pretty good, pretty good guys up front on the defensive line. A&M has rolled some to the NFL the last few years. This group may be as good as any of them when you look at, at especially DeMarvin Leal in the middle. Um, Tyree Johnson is a pass rusher. They got some depth. Um, they got some size. Um, you know, 240-pound linebacker in the middle. This is a front seven that can cause you some issues. Um you know, they've been pretty solid against the run. They have given up some yardage at times. But this is a defense that that you could drop in, in 1997 in the Southeastern Conference, and you go, that's what a defense looked like then. It's it's bigger. Their safeties, their, their DBs are bigger. This is a, a bigger defense. And honestly, I think with the way that Auburn has played offensively the last few weeks, I don't think it's that bad of a matchup because Auburn is now making teams defend the entire width of the field. When you, when you throw the ball, 10 different guys, um, they're making people defend the width of the field, the length of the field, throwing it up top. Some, um, I think it's a defense that if you're Auburn, you go, look, we're not going to try to line up and run it between the tackles 85 times. Um, I don't think that's the recipe for success, but, um, if you know, you look at them and they get after the quarterback and a lot of that's, through the defensive line. We had 24 sacks as a team, most of those from three guys up front on defense. Um, so avoid third and longs if you're Auburn. But, yeah, this is a defense. Um, you know, with Leon O'Neill as a safety, they got some really, you know, downhill kind of safety guys. If you're Auburn, can you run it and say set up some play action? I think you're going to have some shots down the field to take against this team before it's over with. Mark, on the flip side, uh, Zach Calzada obviously comes in. For Haynes King, I believe Haynes King was injured in that Colorado game. Um, Calzada's thrown one pick in every single start that he's had. So that's a trend that might continue. That might be something to watch out for. Um, but I think the the biggest part of AM's offense is their one-two punch at running back. That's what some Auburn players have been talking about this week. But at the same time, just in the nick of time, Auburn gets Owen Papo back on defense. And it sounds like from what he was talking about today. Derek Mason might have some tricks up his sleeve to be able to go back to uh, maybe some three linebacker sets like they were playing in the Penn State game to go against a, a pretty talented stable of running backs. Yeah, I like Isaiah Spiller. I voted for him first team all SEC. He's uh, averaging 6.2 yards a carry. He's well on his way to getting 1,000, averaging 95 a game, and he's got five touchdowns. And then a Shane, a Devon Shane, he's really – uh, explosive 7.1 yards a carry, um, averaging 76 yards a game. And uh, I think he's he's very good too. And he's also a dangerous guy in the return game. He's got uh, one, took back 96 yards. He's averaging 43.6 yards per kickoff return. So uh, if, if I was uh, head coach of the Tigers, I'd tell Andres Carlson to kick the ball into uh, Brian, Texas, whenever the opportunity presented. Don't let him even – 
think about returning the ball. So, uh, uh, you know, I like Jalen Weidemeyer, the uh, tight end. I think he's probably the best guy in the league at that position. And they got some good receivers. Uh, Smith is good, uh, but he's only averaging like 11 yards of the catch. So he's not that, that scary, 43 yards a game. And they got, they throw it around. But I don't think Calzada is one of the better quarterbacks in the league right now. It's not that he's not talented. He's got a great arm. He can throw, make any throw, really. But you're just not real sure he's making good decisions all the time. And, uh, yeah, I think he's gotten better uh, early in the season. He, he looked rough. And uh, Jimbo is a very good quarterbacks coach. Seen that up close and personal uh, during his time at Auburn. And he will develop one, and they'll get him thinking the game. Uh, so but I think there's going to be some opportunities for Derek Mason to mess with them this week. And if to me, the big deal, Nathan, is shut down the ground game or at least keep them from having a big game on the ground. If, if that happens, I always got a good chance to get out of town with a win. Yeah, other than the Alabama game, which I mean, that obviously a lot of people watched that and he was crisp in that game, made a lot of big throws. There really hasn't been a ton of explosion. Jason, how many points do you think Auburn needs to put on the board to win this game? Because we talked about it heading into the Ole Miss game um, that they probably needed to play one of their better games of the season on offense. Um, This is not as good of an offense, but at the same time, you've got a better defense um, on the other side. But just based on the way Derek Mason's defense has been playing, particularly in the second half. We talked about it on the recap show. Um, Just stop after stop in key moments. It doesn't feel like Auburn needs to score more than three or four touchdowns to have an opportunity to win this game. Yeah, I I think I'm somewhere around 27, um, to be quite honest. That's about right there. I don't think this is one um, that you'll have to get into the 30s to win. Um, If if you score in the 30s, then you got to like Auburn's chances against this Texas A&M team. But you you mentioned about – you know, about them. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't see them as a big-time explosive offense. Um, <clears throat> Mark mentioned uh, Anais Smith is – him and Jalen Weidermeyer are by far the, the biggest two targets. The other biggest two targets for them are Spiller and DeShane, uh, the two running backs. Um, they throw the ball a ton to the backside of the backfield. There's a big line. <clears throat> you mentioned Owen coming back on Popo. A huge linebacker game this week for Auburn. Um, those three guys could, could be involved in a ton of plays, as they usually are but maybe more so in this game because they use their back so much out of the backfield throwing the football. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting matchup for sure, but it much like most games, but I think more importantly in this game, you got to put the ball on, on the shoulders of Zach Calzada. He's 25 for 49. You know, we mentioned those two games against, you know, Missouri and South Carolina. They have not done it because of his passing prowess. He, you know, 25 of 49 for, 330 yards or so in two games, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, that's not what you write home about uh, when you start talking about numbers. So, I mean, when you think about it, you know, you know, people had seen him a little bit, but he, you know, they do some different things against Alabama. Now people have seen they've seen Zach Calzada from for four games. They've they've seen what he's about. Um, you know, they'll have a bye week, so they got some things they can do differently. But I would expect Auburn to to try to. You know, exploit him some, and a guy with seven interceptions on the year that's that, that hasn't thrown it a ton. Um, there's the potential there for all this Auburn defense to to kind of make him pay some if they can, you know, just make the plays. Yeah, and certainly we talked about it on on Monday, but certainly if they can extend a, at least a little bit of what they've been doing 
in the second half. Um, you know, it's, it's sometimes too much stock is put into the phrase of halftime adjustments, you know, like Harson even talked about it this year, you know, it's not super practical to, to have coaches come down. There's not much time to talk at halftime, but whatever Derek Mason is doing to adjust during the game, players have talked about it a lot. It's been very successful. Yeah. Um, I remember Kevin Steele would always say that in terms of yards per carry, 3.75 was their number. And they tried to keep them under that. Um, I think kind of an under an underwritten, maybe a little bit of an unsung um, bit of progress for Auburn's defense in the past few games is they're now a top 20 run defense in terms of yards per carry, only 3.29. And so you're exactly right, Jason, if they can kind of shut that down, force Calzada to beat them, um, they might be in a pretty good situation. On the, on the flip side, Mark, with Auburn's running game, we saw Tank Bigsby have his best performance of the season. Um, Nick Brahms told us today that he was just super fired up and was kind of just putting the, uh, putting the running game on his back and the offensive line obviously had a great game as well. But what kind of balance do you, do you expect from Auburn against this Texas A&M defense? And do you think Tank Bigsby can, can put it together in back-to-back games? Cause we really haven't seen him look impressive in consecutive games this season. Yeah. I like the game plan last week, Nathan. I think they decided to let's go ahead and play some bully ball, go straight at him opening drive and, just and see if Ole Miss wanted to play physical. And uh, I thought it was one of the best opening drives I've seen from an Auburn team in recent years. And uh, they didn't have to throw a lot. They went right down the field. And I think the offensive linemen appreciate that type of deal because it gives them a chance to do what they enjoy most, being physical and uh, getting after them in the run game. And uh, I think, like you mentioned, Tank was fired up about the opportunity and one thing I think he did better in this game is like he quit dancing. He went north and south. And you can dance against Akron and look pretty and gain lots of yards. You can do it against Alabama State. But when you start talking about SEC athletes and defenses, you better, unless you're somebody spectacular like a, you know, Carnell Williams or, you know, somebody in that level, you better make one cut and go because the pursuit's going to get you from the backside if you don't. And Tank is best to me when, you know, he makes that one cut, picks the right hole and tries to run over somebody or, you know, gets six or seven yards downfield and then then makes a move, but not a real big crazy move. Just, you know, he's so strong. And if he gets hit, six or seven yards downfield, he can probably get to the first down marker unless the guy comes in with a lot of leverage. So uh, I think Jarquez Hunter is also going to be important in this game too. But, you know, to make the, the running game go against a talented defensive front, a well-coached defensive line, I think you're going to need to mix it up. And, you know, I thought Bobo called a good game last week. And uh, I really didn't have an idea what was coming from series to series. Uh, didn't guess many plays before they were called. And uh, I don't think Ole Miss really, really got a good read on them very much in that game. And, uh, you know, what Jason said, use the whole field and go to a lot of different guys, throw to the tight ends, throw to the running backs, throw to a variety of different receivers, and then be physical running the ball. And if Auburn does that, they're going to have a good chance of winning this game. And I do think this game is not going to be easy. I think this might be the second toughest game remaining on the schedule. Uh, I think Alabama's going to be the toughest, but uh, I think this could be number two. 
should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Yeah, and apparently, you know, people think highly of Mississippi State. They they climbed in there in the playoff rankings at number 17. So right now, Auburn's the only team in the country that has, well, at least in the that's ranked right now, uh, that has three games remaining against playoff opponents. And so the gauntlet starts right now for the last third of the season. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly which play it was, but there was a play where um, I don't think it was a counter, but I think it was designed to go to the strong side and Tank realized it wasn't there in a second and cut back immediately, um, went up the far sideline for a pickup of 16, 17 yards. He just had a lot more confidence. Seemed like his vision was there um, this game as opposed to weeks prior. But Jason, we talked a little bit about Bo on Monday, and obviously he's had you know, he's had a, a bit of a resurgence over the past few games since being benched. What does he need to do in this game versus what we've been talking about for the last two weeks, his protection and his receivers, because I'm still, I still feel like he's been the same quarterback for two months. It's just been that his guys around him have started to pick it up. And it feels like if they don't, that's where I come down on this game. It feels like if they don't have a third straight solid performance in pass protection and, and catching the ball, they might not win this game because they're not going to be able to sustain drives as well. Yeah. I think that's the key is, is, you know, obviously he needs to play well, but you know, as, as Brian Harson kept saying for a while, everybody else around him needs to play well also. Um, you know, you look and, and you know, the George State game gets a ton of talk because it was a game where he was pulled and, and you know, T.J. Finley came in, played, and let him to win. You know, what doesn't get as much talk is they also basically pulled everybody on the field except for about three offensive linemen. Everybody changed. It was a just a bad day all the way around. Um, they needed some energy. They got it. But, you know, since then, you know, even the Georgia game, the Georgia game is one where they catch five or six passes. That that's probably a three hundred yard passing day against that defense. Um, Bo's played at a high level for quite a while. You're right. Uh, I think it's a matter of just continuing to stay within the framework of the offense. Uh, and he continues to talk about, hey, they're putting us in good positions. I think that's the key. I think they believe in in what they're doing. They believe that this is the the what the path that they need to take to be successful in offense and. And now you get wide receivers understanding when to sit down. Um, we saw it last week. I think there were a couple of them that every once in a while you still look and, and go, um, there may be a situation where a guy's still running through a zone instead of sitting down in zones. But we've seen guys kind of start to understand what they're looking at, what they're doing, because they, you know, they're asking those receivers to to read that defense too, to understand, hey, if they're if they're playing man, you continue to to run your route. If they're playing zone, sit down in there and find a spot, find an open spot. We saw Shadrick Jackson, Kobe Hudson, a couple of those guys do a good job at that. Um, it's all a part of everything that fits together, but you're right. Got to be able to run it good enough to to keep from being at a bunch of third longs. If if you do that, then that's the way to success. Um, I don't care who it is. You're not going to be really good on offense if you look up all day in your third nine. And I'll say this too as a caveat, something Mark wrote this week. They need some help in special teams. They're getting it from the, the punting game, but they need some help in, in you know, hey, return game, quit getting penalties, um, catch the punt, 
um, you know, get a little help from the defense. You know, defense played well, but sooner or later, maybe don't allow teams to drive inside your 50-yard line, inside your 40-yard line, every possession, uh, and and get the ball back in decent field position. So uh, it all works together as part of the framework of the offense. I mean, look at Georgia. Georgia's – you look at their numbers offensively, and everybody goes, well, scoring offense is the key. What you don't see is how many times not only do they have defensive scores, but they get a defense turnover and the ball's at the 15-yard line. Um, those are things this offense hasn't had all year. They haven't had those opportunities. It's been a it's been a 60, 70-yard field almost all season. If they get one of those short games, they could put up some points and, and do some big things. Uh, so it really the defense, offense, everything kind of works together um, if you get a game and, and, and get a win like this on Saturday. Well, it might. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you saw Brian Harson even still try to dial up that kind of game plan again or that kind of play against Arkansas. You see Georgia do it a million times where they get a turnover and go for a shot on the next play. They did it against Florida um, and he just decided against Arkansas. You know what? We don't get short fields. I don't care if it's 71 yards out. We're still going to dial up a deep shot. And obviously they hit it for a touchdown. I think, you know, we talked about Calzada and the fact that he's thrown picks in, in every single one of his starts. Um, I talked about this on the radio this week, but like Auburn has guys that can that can return the ball for some yardage. I'm not sure, you know, I, I can't say that I've studied every SEC defensive backfield, um, but Smoke Monday and Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Pritchett, they know how to take a ball back um, and they know how to get some yardage back. So maybe that becomes a factor. You know, if if say there's a play like last week where maybe you're in the red zone, maybe they don't pick it off in the end zone, but around there. Um, Smoke Monday and Roger McCreary have pick sixes in their careers. They know how to how to form the blockers in front of them and get back there, maybe get the offense some some free yardage back. Um, Mark, we'll we'll finish out and and start with you on on how you think this game's gonna play out. And um, I'm assuming you submitted your your forecaster to to Philip that'll run tomorrow. Um, and if so, give me your give me your score prediction. I think I can kind of tell by the way we're all talking. I think we're all kind of leaning the same way, but um, tell me how you think this one's going to play out. Yeah, I did my pick a couple of days ago. I think if my memory is right, I picked Auburn 27-24 in this game. I don't think either team's going to get to 30 unless there's something that happens, like you mentioned, you know, some pick sixes or block punts or something like that with the defense scoring. And uh, uh, I think it's going to be very physical. Both teams like to run the ball. Jimbo Fisher is a believer in physical football. Brian Harson's a believer in physical football. And, uh, you know, Texas A&M does ha- has no margin for error if they want to stay in the SEC West race. They got two losses, and they're fight- they're swimming upstream, but, you know, they've still got a possibility of, you know, getting to Atlanta. You know, Auburn really needs this game too, I believe, uh, to stay in the SEC West race, even though the Tigers just have – one loss in the league, and they don't have any divisional losses. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I don't know why, but Auburn has played intensely and played sharp, and they've done a lot of smart things on all their previous trips to Texas A&M. You know, maybe the guys like playing in front of 100,000 people and and uh, all the tradition out there. And they're going to be on the big stage again, national TV game. Saturday afternoon, CBS, and uh, I think this is an Auburn team that's building chemistry and getting better. And, uh, you know, if they win this game, watch out. They're going to be difficult to beat the rest of the way. Yeah, back in 
I mean, y'all remember better than I do. Back in 2015, it was an unranked Auburn team with Jeremy Johnson went in there and beat a ranked team with with Kyler Murray. So it's just something about going to College Station that kind of perks Auburn up and allows them to play really well. Um, Jason, do you think they're going to do that again this season, or does Texas A&M pull this one out in a in a in a big division game? Yeah, I, you know, you, you never know, but I, right now I trust Auburn a little bit more than I do Texas A&M. Um, we talked about. You know, they got basically one win um, to this season. Now, you know, some of that, it, hey, you know, they couldn't control who they played after Alabama, and they're a much more confident team since then. But I still think that that this – the game's come down to quarterback play um, so often. I mean, Bo Nix, Zach Calzada, I think that's a big bonus in Auburn's favor on, on Saturday. I think that's a huge deal. So, I picked Auburn 27-23. Uh, so me and Mark are right there pretty close once again. But, you know, I just believe this is one where um, if you're the guys on this team, you know, a lot of these guys are juniors have been there. They played there two years ago as freshmen. They've, they they know going in there that's a place they they had have played well in. And so I think that's a big deal. So picked Auburn 27-23 and upset special of the week for me. Boilermakers. Purdue over Michigan State. I'm going to throw that one out there before everybody. Um, I like the matchup for the Boilermakers at home. Yeah, that's a pretty bold pick. I'll, I, kind of interesting, though. I, I wouldn't be shocked. It's a free pick from Jason, everybody. Enjoy it. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. Um, I had one, too. Let me let me find it right here. I had one that I was that I was pretty confident there about. There are a couple that I, that I that considered. I think Wake Forest gets their bubble pop this week by UNC. That's worth it. Uh, it's mine. it's it, it. Both those teams are very similar. Wake scores a ton, gives up a ton. That game, if if there's not a hundred points scored in that game, I'll be shocked. Yeah, um, yeah. Purdue's actually pretty good against the run, and Michigan State gives up 300 yards passing a the game. They're like 126th in the country. Uh, I'll take my chances then. If uh, you know, who knows? But Purdue. Here, here's what happened this year. Michigan State will go in there and win about 42 to 6 because that's hey, – anytime you really count on something happening, you, yep. then it goes the other way this season. Hey, man, if Purdue can – I mean, Purdue's always good for one a year, you know, one of those big top ten wins. And yeah, they already we, thought, we, thought that, we thought that was Iowa, but Iowa's obviously not, not right. top I, ten. Whoever – yes. Just remember, remember anytime you felt you, you – know, you've been lied to that a bunch of people wanted you to believe that Iowa was the number two team in the country. Number two team in the country, yes. Right, yeah, not even close. Um. I've got Auburn as well. Uh, I'll go 27, 24. So we're all, we all pick the same score um, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I just, now I feel way less confident. I was, I pretty much locked in them last week. I was, you know, with the way Ole Miss looked and how beat up they were, Auburn getting a week of rest and playing at home after the confidence they had built from the Arkansas game. I was pretty confident in that pick. Um, not very confident in this one. I kind of just, I mean, I think it come, I think it could come down to the very end. I think these teams are, really evenly matched but for me i mean i just like you said jason i i think the home field advantage this game is almost to me you look at these teams head to head and you kind of take out any sort of advantages because normally you'd kind of give the edge but it's not even just oh the home crowd and that kind of stuff but like auburn has executed in this game and they've looked really really sharp and they've looked like they've been playing at home um so we'll see if that carries over to the brian harson era um i agree with what what a lot of you both of you said that um, Bo Nix, I think, gives Auburn the quarterback advantage. Um, and I trust this defense right now to make some really big plays down the stretch. But we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if Texas A&M wins. There's, there's certainly yeah. a lot of avenues 
that would lead to a Texas A&M win in this game. But um, after it's over, of course, we'll talk about it some more on here. Appreciate everybody so much for listening to this edition of the Roundtail Podcast. Thanks so much to Mark and Jason. Um, we will catch you guys after the game, of course, with a recap show. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can leave us a five-star review if you guys enjoy the show, wherever you guys get your podcasts. We would definitely appreciate that. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find them on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, thank you guys so much for listening. Everybody have a good weekend and enjoy the game. We'll talk to you all later.